We are at the beginning of summer movie season. Um, if if the movie that you're most excited about hasn't been released yet, what are you looking forward to? Um, if it has, what was it? Um, since I kind of sprung this on you guys, um, I am disappointed is not the right word, but I am so confused as to why I am so much looking forward to Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) Like when they first announced that movie, I'm pretty sure I was like, "Uh, but why? And then like, it just, it looks so campy and so just ridiculous. It's, I'm not going to go like opening weekend or anything like that, but like, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Um, Tabitha. So I'm kind of torn because there's two movies that I like want to make sure that I watch in the theaters this summer and we don't go to the theater that often. So it's a pretty big deal for me to like have to go to the theater for these. Uh, One would be that Indiana Indiana Jones movie. Um, I feel like you have to see that on the big screen. And the other one is uh, Asteroid City. I am a huge Wes Anderson fan and I love seeing Wes Anderson films in the theater because I feel like you get the scope of the film a lot more and like the coloring and everything. So maybe I'll just have to see both. Lydia. So I know one movie that I'm going to be going to see because I'm being drugged there, but you know, uh, say so I'm, I'm going to end up going to see the flash, but it's not because of the flash. It's because there's Batman in it. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> thanks Kevin. But no, I, th- I think, of everything's being released, I think the thing I'm looking more forward to the most is one that we actually uh, reviewed the trailer of a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago now. Um, but Last Voyage of the Demeter. I cannot speak tonight, guys. We're off to a great start. Um, Last Voyage of the Demeter is one I'm really looking forward to because everything else just doesn't catch my attention. Matt. Um, I there's There's a number of them that I am excited about that I want to see. Um, I have already seen the new Spider-Man. I took the kids to go see that, uh, the first weekend of the month, really enjoyed it. I know everybody's touting it. I don't think it was as good as the first one. Close, but yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as, um, like the one I'm most looking forward to has got to be Indiana Jones. I know it's the end of the ride. Um, and I've seen some of the early reviews, but I don't care. It's, it's Indiana Jones. I'm I'm ready to hear that music and to hear the crack of the whip one more time. I'm not going to make the joke. I'm not going to do it. Might as well. I think we're all thinking it. (laughs) But it doesn't need to be said. (laughs) You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha and Lydia. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> we're back. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, to have you all back in my basement. Um, that sounded weird. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Check on us the end of the week. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> probably a good idea. Um, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, a bunch of stuff that, you know, we saw like during our hiatus that we didn't get a chance to talk about. A few other things. 
One thing that I do want to start off talking about, um, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Lydia. Um, there were a couple of movies that were released this week that were expected to be have pretty decent opening weekends, and they did not. Um, one of them being uh, The Flash. So The Flash brought in an estimated... 55 million it was expected to make 75 to 85 million um this also puts it below the opening weekend of black adam which only had Mm. 67 million um aside from that pixar's elemental only brought in 29.5 million dollars for its opening weekend um it is it's it's now the second lowest debut of any Pixar film. Uh, the lowest was actually Pixar's first film, Toy Story, mm-hmm. um, which brought in twenty nine point one million. Um, I saw The Flash yesterday. Um, Ezra Miller, be damned! I enjoyed myself. You know, um, all the issues in real world involved with him, like it. <laughs> I had a weird feeling, you know, like watching, you know, like watching the movie and everything. But like putting that aside, it was still a fun film. Um, I, I'm sure it's a combination of that, but it's also a combination of superhero fatigue. Um, also like with, you know, basically with everyone knowing that they're rebooting, you know, the DCEU into the DCU. It's like, well, what's the point? I'll just wait. But Elemental, on the other hand, it's like, I don't understand why anybody would want to see this movie. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess it kind of has like a decent, Im- like a, not image, but um, message. That's yeah. the word. Um, <laughs> but it's also a message that we've heard like a million times. And you can see that message in much better ways. So unfortunately, I feel like. Disney and Pixar are kind of starting to fall into the same boat as pretty much everything else in Hollywood as they're running out of ideas. So it's like, oh, well, we'll just take this idea that we had and just put a new cover on it and no one will notice. But, hey, we noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had seen at one point that, uh, you know, Pixar movies are like, oh, uh, monsters have feelings. Oh, toys have feelings. Oh, cars have feelings. Oh, feelings have feelings. feelings right? It's like so. This is like oh, elements have feelings. It's like we're rehashing the same thing. And mm-hmm. honestly, until I saw the newest trailer in front of Spider-Man with the kids, I didn't know how this was any different than the what uh, the one with the feelings. Oh, Inside Out. Inside yeah, Inside Out. Out. Like they're all color versions like you know and the red ones are on fire like that guy and the blue ones are water like her and you know inside out i'm like how is this any different like i kind of got that from the final trailer but like if i hadn't seen that trailer i still wouldn't have any idea what separates it from inside out really yeah exactly tabitha any thoughts uh, sorry, guys. I'm trying to find my stories because my my internet is not working in your basement and I'm grossly unprepared. So thumbs sideways for everything that you just talked about because I'm busy trying to get my life together. I don't have time for feelings. <laughs> so busy that she didn't even realize we're not there yeah, yet. Yeah. Do you ever have time for feelings, though? Absolutely not. No, that's fair. Okay. I'm good now. You're I good think. now. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> well, just Sorry, in t- just in time to open up the pull list. <laughs> What's on our pull list this week? <laughs> we're going to start off with Xeno, uh, which is it's an anthology out from Oni Press. Um, I'll talk about it more, but I did not realize it was going to be an anthology until I was reading it, and I was very confused, but that's okay. Um, so this first issue of Xeno features four stories about the horrors of technology and aliens, um, including ocular implants that let you see too well, um, some not-so-friendly neighbors, a futuristic war, and why you shouldn't be so excited to check out the newest gaming tech. Um, Lydia, let's start with you. What do you think about this? I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that was confused <laughs> because I read the first story and then where I thought, okay, this is going to be like a little chapter split and then we're going to continue on. And I was like, okay, we just jumped from fancy implants for your eyeballs to 1963 America? What just happened? (laughs) Uh, So once I figured that out, (laughs) um, as a whole, I liked it. Uh, Say a couple of stories didn't quite catch my attention as much as the other ones. Like I would have actually liked to see more of the first story. Um, The bunny thing was interesting. The third story, I don't even remember what it was now, but that one I could have done without. And then the last one was um, a little terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm a little sad that it is an anthology because I kind of wish that there was like more to some of these stories. But other than that, say as a whole, I liked it. Yeah, um... Yeah, once I realized what it was, like, when I finished that first story and you saw, like, the the beginning of the second one, I was like, wait, this is weird. And, yeah, I was like, are we going back to it? And then I'm, I'm flipping and, like, oh, wait, this looks completely different. Um, so, yeah, like, I was, not going to lie, a little bummed at first because I was, like, into, <laughs> I was into that first story. Um yeah, and like this one, it, it, it's about a character named Mateo. He sees things, uh, well, he's blind, but then he gets like these ocular implants or whatever, and he's able to have heightened vision even from what we humans have. And so he sees like these bugs and aliens and whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm here for this. Um, I honestly, I really enjoyed three out of the four stories um that third story about the war or whatever like i just i could not connect with it like i could the other three um yeah the the that that last one especially the last couple of pages like <laughs> literally made my skin crawl yep. i was whew, yeah but uh but yeah no i really enjoyed this i don't know if it's going to be a thing where issue two of Zeno, because this is a three-issue miniseries, if it's going to continue on with these stories, or if it's going to be four brand new stories. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly, I'm cool either way. Um, I would definitely want to check out issue two. Um, Matt, what'd you think? No, I have to agree. Um, the third one was probably the one that I really, I didn't find myself in. Um, but yeah, I kind of had the same same reaction. You know, the jump from one to the next kind of took me. But uh yeah, because that first story, like, I was hooked. I was in. I was ready. I wanted to see how far deep 
down the hole that this was going to go. Um, and then you switch to that 1960s vibe, and I'm like, oh, we're going body snatchers kind of vibe. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm here. And then the last story, it uh, it went it went real dark real fast. And then I it, again was like, not what I expected, but at the same time, I'm definitely here for that. So like three of the four grab me. I'm ready to go. Um, I'm with you, Mitch. Like if we get more of those stories in issue two, great. If we get four new stories, I'm totally cool with that too. Tap Y'all, it has been like two weeks since I read these, and the only thing I remember is being confused. (laughs) Like, I don't know if it's a testament to my memory or to how unimpactful these were for me, but I literally, the only thing I remember is being like, wait, what? So I I feel like I have no opinion because I can't remember anything about them. Uh, next up is Trident of Aurelia. Uh, it's out now from Battle Quest Comics by Lee Moyer. Um, Oriana is drowning, but manages to grab a long-abandoned trident, which transforms her into a mermaid who must take on alien monsters and a leviathan. Um, Tabitha? I do remember something about this one. <laughs> Not all of it, but something. Um, from what I remember, <laughs> I really enjoyed this. The art style was kind of weird. Like it was like, what's the word I'm looking for? So I only got through the first chapter, okay. but the first thing that this art style reminds me of are those comic books that they gave you in Sunday school. Yes, that's <laughs> it was the comic bible. That's yes. what it reminded me of. The comic bible. I know what I'm reading after we record. <laughs> the comic bible. Um, yes. But yeah, the comic book. Yep, uh, yep, you're welcome. I was looking at it the whole time, like, man, this reminds me of something. This reminds me of something. <laughs> That's what it was. Um, I'm turning this into the new comic Bible. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Um, I thought the like base storyline was really interesting, and I, again, I enjoyed the art style of the comic Bible. Um, I kind of, I remember finishing this and like wanting a different ending, but now I don't remember what the original ending was. But I remember wanting something different. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, next up is Why I Adopted My Husband. It is out now from Tokyo Pop by Yuta Yagi. Um, so this autobi- autobiographical manga tells the story of Yuta and Kyota, a gay couple living in Japan where gay marriage is not legal. Uh, the two find a workaround to recognize their union. Uh, Kyota adopts Yuta. Um I thought this was a really cute story. It's also really interesting because I, I knew that gay marriage wasn't legal in Japan, but like I didn't know that this was a thing that people did. And this manga, you know, it, it tells their story, but it also explains why they did what they did, you know, because like otherwise they wouldn't have like familial rights, you know, like visitation mm-hmm. rights, things like that. Um, but yeah, it, you know, and it tells a story basically from how they met up to, you know, the point when they got quote unquote married. Um, but yeah, I just, I just enjoyed it and I enjoyed, I enjoyed learning things while reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yay. (laughs) Um, up next is LSBN. Uh, it is out now from Silver Sprocket by Emma Jane. So Commander 
Sugimoto and lead engineer Misha Polyakov have been working for years on LSBN, a giant robot designed to end a war that gets peacefully resolved just before Sugimoto and her team are completed with the project. Misha and Sugimoto find a way to deal with this, uh, find a way to deal with what this means both professionally and personally. Um, Matt, did you get a chance to finish this one? I did finish it. Um, I will 100% admit that this was not at all what I expected when I first opened this one up. Um, it's definitely, it's shorter. It's only about 80 some pages. Um, and while a lot of the graphic novels we read are like 160, 170, this story feels very much like a, like a short story or a vignette. Um, it's, um, it's just a moment in their lives and kind of how they, um, deal with like this change um they were they'd been working together for forever and um like you said mitch the 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 war comes to a close before they even get to launch their robot um which like i felt that in my soul not gonna <laughs> lie i'm like that is 100 percent what would happen to me. <laughs> but it works let me try it out <laughs> let's go back to war <laughs> um but in that regard, like I did like how things kind of came around at the end um, that they are going to get a chance to use the robot for a different purpose, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I did not expect the love story. I did not. Um, but I did enjoy that on how they like there was that that tension, obviously, between them the entire time they were working. And then it all just kind of came to a head. Um, <laughs> I hate you. Hey you. Um, to head. <laughs> As you were saying. Anyway. Uh, no. I did. I enjoyed this one. Um I, I would be interested if there was further stories um for the characters and for the robot to see what happens. Yeah. Uh I agree. I one hundred percent would be down for uh issue two volume two whatever you want to say uh, i i would love to see another story in this universe i thought that uh misha and sujimoto had a lot of good chemistry um as we were kind of chuckling about uh this book is for adults <laughs> um yes. specifically like one maybe two scenes but yeah um, but um i I will divert a little bit from your opinions, though, Matt, because between the book being called LSBN and the two main characters being female, I was like, I saw this romance <laughs> coming like a mile away. Um, but uh, but no, this was this was a fun, interesting story. Tabitha, what'd you think? Did you not put that together until just now? No, I did. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I just spent the entire time trying to find out like. I assumed that that was an acronym that had to do with the robot project, and you never got explanation of the acronym. I did. I thought I I knew what it meant, but oh. I thought that it was an acronym that was going to be included in the story. Sweet summer child. I, I mean, <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. They, they kept referring said to, what kept, it stood for. They kept referring to the project, and I'm like, is the project going to like? They're just going to tell you that it, you know, LSBN is. They need, like the the short name of the project. No, what you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Never disagreed with that. Um, 
I did not expect this to be so spicy. (laughs) (laughs) But I liked it. I was also with Mitch. Like, I'm like, this is some Tabitha stuff that would happen. Like, I created a great robot. They're like, we don't need it anymore, but thank you. (laughs) Fine, I will destroy you and your home and your loved ones. With my fancy robot. Um, no, I enjoyed this. I liked the 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 romance. I enjoyed the like quippy like banter a lot. So yeah, I I liked this. I kind of want I want to know what happens now. I want to know where they go. Yeah. Next up is Parallel, which is out now from Oni Press by Matthias uh, Lehman. So Parallel tells the story of Carl, an older gay man in the 1980s who, through a letter, tries to reconnect with his estranged daughter. Uh, We see flashbacks of his younger life in post-World War II Germany and the heartache heartache and danger of coming to grips with your sexuality in a time and place where it wasn't acceptable. Um, This book was beautiful. It was heartbreaking at points. It was heartwarming at points. Um... Carl does some not great things in this book, but it's because he lived in a time where being an out gay man would get you ostracized at best, more than likely killed. Um, Maybe not more than likely, but still. Uh, He's unfaithful in two marriages, but we see fairly early on that his second wife saw him for who he is, and I I thought that was a really uh, nice touch to the story. Um, My my biggest complaint with this book was the art style, uh, just because at points it was tough to decipher who was who. You know, there were a couple of points where it's like, oh, wait, why why are you saying that? I thought that was that character you know that kind of thing uh, but that said like th- this would definitely be a book that i revisit whether it's you know like rereading an, an ebook or if i find it out in the wild somewhere uh yeah really really good last book uh is queen of swords also out now from vault uh it's written by michael morecki with art by corin howell um, in this barbaric spinoff, Sarah is a witch who must team with Assassin Ka and Barbarian Deadheart to take down a fo- foe who has brought them together. Oh, and there's also Gabar, an evil spirit trapped in Deadheart's sword. Um, already, like, I didn't get a chance to read this one, but already I want for Gabar to meet Axe. So, <laughs> um, Tabitha, let's start with you. What'd you think? Yeah, the whole time I was reading this, I was like waiting for a crossover, like between Barbarian and them. I'm like, I want the sword and the axe to like fight and then fall in love. Um, um, No, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the banter. Um, There was a quote that really stuck with me, and now I can't. Of course, I can't remember what it is, but the their outlook on like just life and the universe and everything was like very relatable for me in some of those situations. So I really enjoyed this. Matt, what'd you think? This just continues the fantastic run that Barbarian has. Um, it's it's gory, it's quippy, it's fun, there's adventure. Um, it got a little spicier than I expected uh, for a couple of scenes in the middle. Um, but uh, I, I love the magic, I love the creatures. Um, yet I am also ready for a literal crossover between uh, Axe and Gadar. All right, let's start some trailer takedown. Let's get ready for trailer takedown. 
We have four movies to talk about tonight. Uh, the first matchup is um, these are both R-rated um, movies. It's Craven the Hunter versus Justice League War World. Um, Matt, let's start with you on this round. All right. Um, so I had no no idea that Craven was going to be R-rated. Um, and the entire time I'm watching this trailer, I'm like, uh, how does this fit with the Sony Spider-Man universe that they're building? Because even Venom is not nearly as gory as this. Um, I don't know. A Craven has never been one of those Spider-Man villains I've thought was super interesting. Um, so you're gonna give him a gonna give him a backstory, you know. Um, you got to include Russell Crowe and his bad British accent, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I just I enjoyed the trailer for the action, um, but the entire time I was like trying to see how this was gonna fit in with everything else that they're doing, and I am am a little lost in that regard. So it's at this point it's hard to separate it. Um. The Justice League War World, um, I mean, apart from, like, heavy metal, I didn't know they still did R-rated cartoons. Um, <laughs> I don't know. This one, interesting. Um, it's kind of that multi-universe, you know, that multiverse-type feel that we're getting with a lot of films. Um, I just, I never really at any point found myself really drawn to the conflict or what was happening in this one. Um, I, I guess... If I have to put points anywhere, um, I'm going to go six for Craven and four for Justice League. Um, <laughs> Justice League War World. Um, yeah, I didn't know what was going on there. Looks like first off with Justice League, it looks like it's just Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the Justice that's League. That's not the Justice League, no. but okay. Um, looks like they are like transplanted in different universes different times whatever um and then we get the reveal that they're in war world which war world like at, at the very end of the trailer it was it even showed you you know like you know like to read up about war world check out the you know it was like superman and action comics or whatever uh that was a really big thing last year last couple of years um but that war world and what we witnessed not the same thing like at all um in fact that war world was just a superman story (sighs) i digress um it was also with it being r-rated i don't remember really seeing anything in the trailer that gave me that um whereas with uh craven um i don't know craven bites somebody's nose off (laughs) you know there's that um (laughs) I am here for Craven. Um, I have um, been a fan of Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, been a fan of his uh, him work. Um, <laughs> um, for a while now, and sorry for killing Tabitha. <laughs> Are you? Eh, a little bit. <laughs> That almost came out of my nose. <laughs> <laughs> that would have burned. But um, but yeah. So, but yeah. Like the the action looks really awesome. Like I I don't know. Like I agree. Like Craven is not really a character that I'm invested in. But um, 
all that aside, like I, I'm, I'm strangely like really here for this movie. So between that and, <laughs> um, and just how I wasn't feeling Warworld at all, uh, Craven gets all of my points. Tabitha. Um, Warworld just looks like an episode of Carbon San Diego, and like every, <laughs> every time uh, Wonder Woman like ended up on the screen, I was like, "Ooh, I found Carbon San Diego!" Like it just looks like bad '90s cartoon art. Like it doesn't look well done like i don't know it looks cheap um as far as craven is concerned i have two problems my first problem is why is there got to be a dead cat i know it was a lion but why is it got to be a dead cat and then also <laughs> as we're watching it i didn't know anything about craven i'm like wait is this just animorphs <laughs> <laughs> i would pay to see a live action r-rated animorphs Same. yes bring it k.a applegate <laughs> Uh, I am also a fan of Aaron Taylor Johnson's work. Um, (laughs) I will also be interested in watching this film. (laughs) I'm giving eight points uh, to Craven, and I'm giving two points to Carmen. I mean, War World. (laughs) Lydia. (laughs) So I have had no idea, still have no idea who Craven is, because I don't really like comic book a lot and i honestly don't remember watching the uh spider-man like tv series like animated one at all so i don't know if he was a part of that at all um so him as a character i still have no idea what is going on the trailer caught my attention but not as a like superhero type movie so my brain's kind of confusing itself with that um, I'm going to be the outlier here. I'm interested to see Warworld, but I've also become quite attached to some of the more like animated uh, Justice League and Batman and all those because, again, thanks, Kevin. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, Jensen Ackles is part of it. So there's that. So I'm going to be the outlier here, and I'm going to go seven for Warworld, and I'm going to go three for Craven. So with a score of 27 to 13, Craven the Hunter moves on. Um, it will meet the winner of Nimona versus One Piece. Um, quick shout out with regarding Nimona. Um, if you are paying attention to our feed, uh, you'll notice a spinoff podcast called Comic Sans Drinks uh, starring none other than Matt and myself. And uh, just today, we released the episode where we talked about Nimona. Um, so if you haven't listened to that already, listen to that. And yeah, um, <laughs> the trailer that we discuss now is different from the trailer that we discussed in that episode. So maybe it might, our opinions on the Netflix movie, it is a movie, yep. right? Yeah, okay. Um, may have changed a little bit. Um, Tabitha, let's start with you this round. Um, I loved Mona when I read it. I thought it was fantastic. I remember laughing and crying at that, and I have a feeling this TV show will be no different. Um, I love Nimona as a character. I love Nimona's talent, and I love the heart of this story. Um, One Piece, could have done without the clown. <laughs> wasn't prepared for that did a little jump scare um but as we know i love a seafaring tale and now this makes me want to read this however because i have read nimona and my expectation is high and i'm so excited i'm going to give seven of my points to nimona and three of them to one piece 
So, like I had discussed on the other podcast, um, Nimona didn't really, like, I liked it, but I didn't love it like I expected to. Um, the first trailer for that uh, was not feeling at all. This second trailer, I did appreciate a lot more. Um, we get a little bit more of what this story is going to be. Um, still am not 100% sold on the art style. Um I'm not saying that I want an art style identical to what we saw in the graphic novel, but like this almost, it's almost bad 90s CGI. Um, <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, versus One Piece, which this is a live action adaptation. I have not read One Piece. Uh, I know that it is very popular. And this trailer, like knowing that they were making a uh, adaptation of it has kind of made me wanted to try one piece this uh trailer has made me want to look even more um yeah the clown was clown was <laughs> something <laughs> i am actually going to go opposite of tabitha i'm giving seven points to one piece three to nimona um and really it's the art style that that did it in um lydia so i loved the trailer for nimona i didn't know it was a uh is it a graphic novel mm-hmm. gotcha. yep. I, I think it started as a webcomic yes. and yep. then it was released as a graphic nice. novel. i did not know that i want to go find that now um but i loved this just the quippiness of her and her power and the back and forth with the other guy and the, just the little line at the end can you just be yourself i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> like that that got me with one piece one piece is not a manga slash anime that i have ever read or watched i know it's got a huge following my concern with this is live action adaptations of animes rarely go well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i am very concerned that the parts of the trailer that were good are about as good as it's gonna get so i want to watch nimona i don't really care if i see one piece or not so i'm going to give eight to nimona and one to one or two to one piece so many numbers. <laughs> There's too many. Matt. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, Mitch and I had talked about the teaser trailer for Nimona at the end of the other uh, show. This trailer is very different. It gives a lot more of the story. It gives a wider scope of the animation style. Um, the teaser trailer is definitely, it's like a different animation style. It's like her drawing and then kind of teases the, the movie. This is just the movie and like the animation style that you're going to see for this. Um, it, it does, it shows her heart. It shows her character. It shows the adventure that they're going to go on. Um, and as much as that teaser gave me nothing to really look forward to this this first trailer like really does like i'm i'm ready for this um one piece hasn't has been an anime that i have kind of wanted to try at some point just never like i don't know i I have a hard time getting into anime pretty much anywhere um last year not this past year but the year before at c2e2 one piece was huge mm-hmm. they had the they had the boat right yeah. there by the front door <gasps> that's like, what that was yep and like that alone was like okay i'm intrigued like i want to know what this boat is and this like the thing on the front and like the trailer i love the boat i love the seafaring adventure 
I'm interested in that. But this almost makes me more want to go back and watch the anime than it does to watch the live action movie. Just because I have watched some anime and I feel like there are going to be things that are done better there than would translate in the live action. So, um, that said, I'm going to go nine points in Nimona and one for One Piece. While you're calculating, I also thought of something else that I was going to say and I forgot because you guys were talking about the animation style. Didn't bug me because it reminds me of the uh, animation style from the Borderlands games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. it so. does. Also with a score of 27 to 13, Nimona moves on. <laughs> so, wow. Craven is going to um, hunt Nimona, and that is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> this is Animorphs. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> we did it, guys. Good job. <laughs> okay. Um, Nimona gets one point. Um, I'm, I'm, I am intrigued enough to give it one. Craven gets the other nine points. Um, yeah, it's going to make like 500 million in its opening weekend, and half of it's going to be for me. Tabitha. <laughs> Where'd you get that kind of money? Right? Don't worry about it. Share the wealth. <laughs> um, this is hard. So I think Nimona would be more on my priority list of things I would like to watch. Um, so I'm going to give Nimona eight and give Craven two. Matt. Um, I am going to go seven points for Nimona. And three for Craven because I remembered that little teaser at the end where Rhino shows up. And as much as I didn't ever care about Craven as a Spider-Man villain, Rhino, I've always liked rhinoceroses, <laughs> has always intrigued me. So I want to see where that goes as far as the movie is. Really? Yeah. That's Matt's favorite animal. It is. <laughs> Guys, we learned something. Well, you huh. knew already, but yeah. Lydia and we I and most something. of this audience learned something new about yeah. Matt. That's Rhinos awesome. are my favorite animal. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel like we should just go around and like figure out who everybody else's is now. Yeah, Mitch, yeah. what's your favorite animal? Hmm. I don't know. Lydia? Otters. Tabitha? Raccoons. Raccoons? <laughs> Followed close second by penguins. Yes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Close third is a possum. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Have you really never thought about what your favorite animal is? Not since I'm an adult. <gasps> um no i mean like i can't say something like you know domesticated like a cat or anything sure why not but that's a boring okay when you go to the zoo what is your favorite thing to see like if there's one animal you have to see before you leave the zoo which one is it Hmm. or if you're like looking at a natural history museum what creature are you like i want to pet that (laughs) because that kept happening to me today in the illinois state museum i was like i want to pet it I guess, uh, I guess if we're going that route, um, I don't know, monkeys maybe. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, okay. they're cute. Yeah. They're cuddly. Yeah. I want to give them hugs. I get it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, as long as they don't fling poo. That's true. <laughs> Mitch likes the fl- poo flinging. No, I don't. <laughs> Not at you, but like the at your enemies. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We got way off track. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Lydia, we need your points. <laughs> well, since we got off track, I'll keep it short and sweet. Nine to Nimona and one to Craven. <laughs> With a score of 25 to 15, Nimona wins this week's trailer takedown. Whee! The hunted becomes the hunter. I say, so Craven's not that good of a hunter after all. <laughs> it's all because she can change into a shark. Exactly. <laughs> In the graphic novel, a shark with boobs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That would be convenient. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. I need a wellness check. I don't I don't I don't know what I, I, I missed something there. Being able to turn into a shark and just uh-huh. not mad, like uh-huh. he's safe, but like there are lots of people that I'd be like, mmm, tasty. <laughs> Goodbye. I feel like the name of this episode just needs to be Wellness Check. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to gut reaction. Ow! Gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight um, with Matt. We're going to talk about the Apple Vision Pro. So if Mitch is going to spend, you know, $500 million on uh, Craven, he might as well just knock off $3,500 for Apple's new mixed reality headset. Uh, the Vision Pro they released at or revealed at their WWDC keynote. Um, basically, it's... What would Donald do? No, wait. Never mind. I honestly don't know what it says for. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was I heard WWDC and I was like, oh, what would Jesus was it, do? And then Worldwide Developers Conference. Oh, yeah, That's I ruined fun. that joke. I'm sorry. Continue on, Matt. No, no problem. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, so it was revealed at the end of their presentation. Uh, Tim Cook came out and basically said that it is going to. <sighs> It's augmented reality, uh, virtual reality. It's going to do what, um, what did he say? What the Mac did for personal computing and what the iPhone did for mobile computing. The Apple Vision Pro introduces us to spatial computing. Um, they said they've been working on it for decades. Um, it's a, it's got thousands of groundbreaking innovations. It has two processors inside this headset. Um, one basically to run the screen and one to um, take in all the input from the, what did it say? 12 cameras, six microphones, and five sensors that are embedded in this headset. How big is this headset? <laughs> <laughs> it looks, yeah, I mean, have you seen the memes where it's like, Thirty four ninety nine for like the snorkel goggles, and then like eight ninety nine for like the snorkel like tube. <laughs> it looks like a snorkel mask, um, but they're saying that with those processors, that it's going to take twelve milliseconds to be able to register images like in the augmented reality in front of the viewer. Hmm. So I, it also says that the battery life is like, um. All day use, um, I, I I don't know. There's so much to this, but thirty five hundred dollars is just it, it's unbelievable. And what bothers me is there's gonna be so many people to just shell this out day one for this. I just mm-hmm. I 
I feel like I feel like it's a white version of the what is it that Nintendo Virtua Boy from when I was a kid, like the horrible virtual reality headset that Nintendo came out with, which lasted like three months before it collected dust on everybody's shelves. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to give this thumbs down until we get something other than $3,500 and like, Ooh, ah, these are the specs. Lydia. I, I feel like they just tried to take like the Oculus Rift and the things like that and, and like make it fancier and after having just read the short story where, like, the gaming stuff goes, like, horribly wrong, I'm not about this life, so I'm okay, and I don't do Apple anyway, so thumbs down. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a thumbs sideways when, um, like, just for, I don't know, the, the technological advances, um, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, that price tag is really steep um even at a third of the cost i'm still like ooh, no thank you um yeah so get at me when it's a sixth of the cost maybe maybe <laughs> tabitha what's that movie with bruce willis where they like all get lost in their like alternate realities because of the headsets and they're all just laying around rotting virtuosity sure maybe i don't know all i know is bruce willis is in it and his wife is like wounded on the face and she's having like her best life in her virtual reality and he's trying to like get her together that's if you want that that's how this is how we get that like this is going to be one of those things where people like find it so immersive that they're going to have a hard time pulling themselves out of it end up like uh ready player one yeah like that's that's how we get there that makes me nervous i do i have seen some people talking about like like Mitch said, like the advancements in technology, this would be a great learning tool for like brain surgeons and thing people that can like practice medicine and practice like very minute tasks in like a reality, like a virtual reality way instead of like a real world way. That's pretty cool. So I'm going to give it a thumb sideways. Lydia, <laughs> let's talk about uh, a new Lego set. Yeah, so, you know... July is coming up, which is the perfect time to release Halloween-themed stuff, apparently, because the new Lego set is going to be Hocus Pocus, which is a little bit funny because apparently that's also when the movie was originally released, was in July, of all things. So, you know, take it after the movie on there. Um, but the newest Lego set is going to be the Sanderson Sisters Cottage and part of the graveyard that they are in at the end of the movie. It's going to come with six figurines, which is the three sisters, Max, Danny, and Allison, and a little black cat for Binks. <laughs> Has all sorts of little things in it that are little, like, callbacks to the movie. It's got the book. It's got Allison's little shaker of salt. It's got the a broom, a mop, and the vacuum cleaner for the sisters. Like, this thing is awesome. I want it. It's one of the cheaper Lego sets I've seen like this, because most of them I've seen recently are like 500 bucks. This one is coming out July 4th for $229. Mm -hmm. My biggest gripe with this is that you couldn't have just added one more little Lego person and got, uh... Billy. Billy. I know. Yeah. Like, Could have done half a Lego person. Just like a torso, like sticking out of the grave. It's like, come on, like you, mi you missed some of the key p people here. But 
This thing looks awesome. I want it. Thumbs up. I don't need to spend almost 300 bucks on a Lego set, but, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs up. This is really, that's really fun. Yeah. Um, too rich for my blood, but uh, but yeah, here for it. Tabitha. Yeah, I, I want this. Thumbs up. Uh, I do. I am lamenting the fact that they didn't put Billy in there. That makes me sad. Matt. All of these Lego sets that they're coming up with that are real expensive, but like callbacks to childhood and stuff. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, if I had all the money, I would have an entire room with these all built just on the shelves. So thumbs up. So Nightwing number 105 comes out this week, and it has an interesting way of telling the story. Um, the creative team of writer Tom Taylor and artist Bruno Renato uh, have played outside the box when it comes to Nightwing. Um, about, I don't know, 20 some odd issues ago, um, they had a comic where the entire issue was one continuous panel. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it didn't open that way, right, but... Right, like, I'm, like, picturing, like, a fold-out in a magazine. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't quite work like that, but yeah. Um, but anyway, so this upcoming issue, uh, we are going to see the world through Nightwing's eyes, literally. The entire issue is going to be told from the point of view of Dick Grayson. Um, thumbs up. I've loved everything that this creative team has done with Nightwing. Um, I also like how they're doing these kind of creative things, and I'm, I'm here for it. Tabitha. Uh, sorry, I got lost when you were talking about the one panel thing. Right. Like, I kind of want to look at that and see how that works. Um, you seem happy. I have no, no thoughts on Nightwing, so I'm happy for you. Thanks. You're welcome. Matt. Um, there are times where a story necessitates being told from a particular point of view and to be able to do that in a comic book i think is awesome because it's always third person you're always looking at the character doing something and to be able to flip that for the reader is real i like i'm here for that like i'm real interested to see if this is not the only time this happens um so thumbs up for the creativity and honestly like that's a creative jump to be able to do that so yeah thumbs up Lydia. I mean, we all know I don't comic book very much, but I would be interested to pick this up just to see, kind of like you were saying, how they're going to kind of make this work from his perspectives. And also, Mitch is excited. So, you know, thumbs up. <laughs> oh, my heart's warm, guys. <laughs> I might need to get that checked out. Um, <laughs> Tabitha, you've got two stories that um, are different ways to deal with backlash. Um, the first one, uh, let's start with Elizabeth Gilbert. So we're going to talk about the correct way to deal with black backlash? Yes. So Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, um, has had a, a book coming out for a while called The Snow Forest. Um, they have decided to postpone the production of that or the, re the release date of that book um, due to Russia's ongoing war with Ukraine. Um, I'm just going to read her quote because this is just the best way to explain it. The fact that I would choose to release a book into the world right now, any book, no matter what the subject of it is, that is set in Russia. I want to say I've heard these messages, I've read these messages, and I respect them. As a result, I am moving and making a course correction. I am removing this book from its publication schedule. It is not the time for this book to be published. Huge thumbs up. When you are receiving backlash 
from not only readers, but like kind of the public at large, especially for someone who has one book in the universe that is so well loved by so many people with Eat, Pray, Love. And then you turn around and you write this book and it takes you forever to write it and you put your soul into it and you have no control over obviously what's happening between Russia and Ukraine to be brave enough to be like, okay, I get it. I'm going to step back. I'm going to change the publication date because I don't feel comfortable and I understand that you don't feel comfortable is incredible. So giant thumbs up to her. Matt. Yeah, to have the the cognizance to pay attention to all of those things and realize that, yeah, this may have taken you God knows how long to write and put together and get out there to the world and know that this is not the right time for it. That's got to be unbelievably difficult just because you've poured your heart and soul into this and want everybody to see it and read it, but know that it's not the right time. Um, so huge thumbs up for her to be able to be able to do that. Lydia. Yeah, absolutely. Like good on her to have that social awareness mm-hmm. to know like, Hey, I just finished my robot, but now the world doesn't need it at the moment. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, the absolute thumbs up to the way she handled that. Yeah. Agreed. Thumbs up. Um, it's a bad situation all around. And, I, I'd like to say that I would make the exact same decision if I were in her shoes, but I don't know that I would, especially, you know, like just pouring, you know, my heart and soul into this and then having to be like, not yet. Like, part of me might be like, mm, I know this sucks. However, <laughs> here you go. So good, good on her. Um, now, Tabitha, let's talk about Sarah Stusek. So this is the way not to handle uh, pushback from your book review. So the book is called uh, Three Rivers. It's classified as a young adult fiction book, and it was slated to be released in September. So there were advanced right there were advanced reader copies going out via NetGalley and other sources to early readers, and. This author, Sarah Stusek, is very like prevalent on TikTok. She TikTok utilizes TikTok all the time. It's like her main platform. So all the book reviews were coming in, and they were mostly good. Most of the reviews for the book were good. Um, this one reviewer um, named da, 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 Carly Cabardis uh, gave the book a four-star review. Uh-oh. And uh, Sarah took to her TikTok account and it's been since deleted, but essentially it was like, everybody's loving my book and everybody's liking it and it's it's doing really well on Goodreads and the Amazon reviews are great. And then this one bitch and like she calls her out and it's like she literally says this one bitch and she's like gave me a four out of five star review. It, what if it's <clears> so close to being a five, why not give it a four? And it's like going off on this tirade about how those reviews that are so close to being a five are actually worse than like one and two star reviews. Which is not the case, but that's what her like argument was. Uh, Book Talk flipped out and was like, absolutely not. Immediately canceled her. Her publisher was like, oh, you can't do that. This is your first book. Drop her book. Uh, it's no longer going to be published. <laughs> yep. Um, Goodreads turned off the reviews. You can't review it on Goodreads anymore. Her TikTok got banned for a hot second. Don't worry, she's back. Um, her publisher has not only dropped this book, but they've dropped her as an author so they're not going to pick her back up and um 
the uh her like whole thing was like it was a joke she was like people think i'm funny i don't understand why this person is taking this so like whatever the review that the girl wrote was it's a really great first novel but i deducted one star because the ending was kind of predictable that was her bad review there was an apology issued whatever then the original poster this cabardist uh turned around and edited her review and said the author is now attacking me on tiktok for not giving her a five-star review but a four just giving her a one now for her attitude i didn't think the book was bad but her attitude certainly is thumbs up for this reviewer thumbs up for the book talk community for sticking up for itself like there have been instances of this over the last couple of years. There have been authors at events that have burned bridges with readers. There have been authors that have, like, reached out to bad reviewers and, like, attacked them verbally. But we live in a day of TikTok and social media, and you can't just delete it and assume it's going to go away. So thumbs down to this author and her reaction. Thumbs up to the publishing company for being like, okay, never mind. And thumbs up to the, like this reviewer for like standing her ground because there are a lot of people that would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And like, just adjust the review. But. Matt. I really don't have much to add other than the fact that I follow enough authors on all the socials that they all live by a similar mantra and that's basically like one don't read the reviews two if you do read the reviews don't take anything they say to heart good or bad or otherwise um and to lash out at anybody for that especially for a four star take a leap just thumbs down to her thumbs up to everything else around this lydia the fact that this is her first book and she has the audacity to be like, oh, how dare you give me a four-star review? That's worse than a one-star. No, that's not how statistics work, honey. Uh, <laughs> thumbs down to her, but yeah, thumbs up to absolutely everything else because just wow. There is a very, very tiny part of me that wants to... I don't know if sympathize is quite the right word, but like with this person, because this is her first book and this is, you know, new territory for her. And maybe she should have said or done things a little bit different and her book would still be able to be published. <laughs> um, now, and, and she called this reviewer out by name, right? Yeah. I, I think for me, that's where I go full on into thumbs down territory. Complain about four star reviews if you want to. Okay, fine. You're dumb, but fine, whatever. But the minute that you call out one of your, you know, whether it's a fan, a reviewer or whatever, and they're not somebody world famous, like, you know, then yeah kind of a d-bag, you know, <laughs> if it's, it's one thing if, you know, like if, yeah, like a you know, like a well-renowned book reviewer said that your book is trash, then okay, fine, fight back, whatever. But not, you know, Sally from Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) Thumbs down, Sarah. Mm. Sally, you get a thumbs up. (laughs) Um, Lydia, let's talk about Magic the Gathering. So, Magic the Gathering is releasing a version of their game uh, that is Lord of the Rings based. 
Um, it's called Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth. Um, they're, I think it's releasing sometime soon. Um, but there's a whole bunch of different cards that are based around the uh, characters from the books and the movies. All that fun stuff. However, there is going to be one special card and supposedly literally only one eh. that is the One Ring. Ooh. So all the different packets of cards that are being sold uh, somewhere hidden in there. And it's only in the English collectors uh, editions of these th- things that are being released. Um, somewhere in there is one card that is the one ring. So somewhere somebody is going to have probably a very expensive card <laughs> if they come across it. Um, the card itself doesn't look like it has any like usefulness in the game itself. Um, it's basically just a picture of the ring with some elvish, um, like inscriptions on it. Um, so doesn't really do anything for you if you have it other than, you know, you have bragging rights to the one ring in Magic the Gathering. So I think it's cool that they kind of took the whole one ring thing and ran with it and actually are going to only release one. Um, I am, however, terrified of all the Magic the Gathering fans that are going to, like, stampede for these cards trying to find it. And also, you know, there are people out there that are going to find it just to try to sell it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to give a thumbs up to the fact that they're taking the One Ring thing and running with it. I'm giving a thumb sideways to the fact that there's probably going to be a huge uprising of magic the gathering fans about this yeah um i wanted to give this a thumbs up immediately just because i mean yeah i'm not a lord of the rings fan i'm not a magic the gathering fan but it sounds cool and you know like i'm happy for all the nerds who will be happy uh but then i remembered all the um tumultuous goings on with uh magic the gathering and didn't they recently like release a card that was supposed to be like never released again or something like that? So it's like in five <clears> years, <throat> they're going to have the two rings to rule them all um, <laughs> or the 500 rings to rule them all, you know, whatever. Um, you're absolutely right, Lydia. The people will be trying to find this to sell it. Um, and why make this kind of card and have it not really be worth anything in the game like mm-hmm. no that needs to be like you have that card like you automatically win there's just nothing else um so all things aside i can't go full thumbs down because at the end of the day this is still kind of cool for lord of the rings fans but i'm gonna have to go thumb sideways tabitha i i feel like this is gonna be one of those things and if they play on it correctly it could be cool so what if they what if they release one ring to rule them all, but then they get the 19 that were forged for the dwarves mm, and the yes. nine that were given to the men. And like over time, they release those slowly. That would be neat. If they don't do that, they're missing a marketing tactic and I need to make a phone call. Um, <laughs> I don't, I'm with Mitch. I don't understand why it wouldn't do anything. Like what's the point in it? But I also have like seen those magic cards like on the internet go for like, crazy amounts and but however those are always cards that did something so while this is going to be like a collector's item with it out without it doing anything i don't know that we'll have as much like oh my god i have to have it as we do with those cards that like actually are like 
like a like a trump card for lack of a better term like well, i have this card i win by so it's so, gonna be bragging rights more yeah. than anything else so i'm gonna go thumb sideways however like i said if they don't do the other thing that i said in the beginning i'm gonna be really upset <laughs> matt my only argument to you only argument to you is that the other card that sells for so much money all the time black lotus mm-hmm. is banned in classic tournaments you can't play it because it's so powerful so i'm gonna make a prediction that when this is found the first time that it gets auctioned off it will go for more than the last black lotus sale facts done deal um as far as the rest of it yeah like this this would be one of those things if i still played magic it would end up costing a lot of money trying to find it knowing that it's not actually going to happen so thank god that's not a truth um so i'm just going to go thumb sideways because there's good there's bad there's in between some of this feels like wizards of the coast trying to recoup some of the public disgrace that they've fallen upon in the last year or so um don't know that it's really going to work because yeah if they want to play it right they're going to release the other rings um in future sets but yeah thumb sideways Matt, let's talk about Adult Swim. Um, so, I, you know, it's one of those things. I don't even remember sometimes that, uh, like, live TV and programming happens. Like, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you can turn on the TV, and if you don't watch it now, it's not on again until tomorrow or whatever. Anyway, so Cartoon Network has a block of TV for Adult Swim. Um, they have recently expanded it back an hour and added a few new shows to that list. It's become popular that they are going to add an additional hour to the Adult Swim block. And in doing so, they're going to be adding some of those nostalgic cartoons that uh, were great and still are, uh, like Dexter's Laboratory, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Um, they will are apparently going to throw King of the Hill in here for this, but they're also going to do Courage the Cowardly Dog, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Those are going to be part of this extra hour block. Huge thumbs up. I don't watch regular TV. I didn't even know it was a regular thing, but just the fact that those that do will have an opportunity to see these wonderful cartoons that were like, I don't know, fantastic, and I would still go back and watch. Huge thumbs up for bringing them back. Lydia. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't realize that like regular tv was still a thing anymore <laughs> like no one talks about like oh yeah i've got cable or anything <laughs> like that it's always oh i've got netflix or i've got hulu or it's always a streaming service they're talking about so the fact that like live tv is still a thing is surprising to me honestly um but the fact that it's doing so well that they're gonna add extra time and add in those uh awesome shows like i love it thumbs up yeah, 100% here for it. I, I guess I'm only like 95% here for it because I don't have cable. But uh, <laughs> still, that's great. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, you had me at Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things ever. Um, we need to flash back for like a hot second to this Lord of the Rings card. Um, so I have a friend whose husband does like magic tournaments. Like he travels to do them. Like he's very good at magic. He puts a lot of money into it. Um, I said, does Austin have any thoughts on this Lord of the Ring card for magic? And I got a quote. If I opened it, I would start a GoFundMe for people to watch me eat it because people are offering two million bucks to get it. Oh, my gosh. That's four times the Black Lotus price last auction. Wow. That is insane. 
Now I kind of want to try to find this. So in 2020, Funko launched a program that allowed fans to make pops of themselves at the company's locations in Everett, Washington, as well as in Los Angeles. Uh, now, later this year, the program is expanding to online, so now everyone will be able to make their very own Funko Pop with Pop Yourself. Uh, the brand is also teaming with... <laughs> That's, they're calling it that, not me. <laughs> Um, the brand is also teaming with licensing partners uh, to be able to create yourself as your favorite pop culture character. Uh, 1,000% thumbs up for this. Um, they had something like this um, at, at the, uh, it was what, FAO Schwartz in New York. Yeah. They had like a make your own Funko Pop. But it wasn't quite what I wanted because I wasn't really able to make myself. This sounds like I'll be able to make myself and... Yes, please. I want it now. Thumbs up, Tabitha. Yeah, this is fun. I, I, I need a little Funko Pop of myself. Matt. Yeah, this would be great. Uh, thumbs up. Lydia. See, where was this a couple of years ago when I had that idea of giving you guys all Funko Pops to yourself for Christmas? Like, what the heck? Well, I was going to say now you can, but I mean, at that point, you'd be giving me a second me because I would probably already have a first me. Yeah, that's okay. A little army of Mitches. Exactly. <laughs> But I'm excited because I, I I was hoping there was something like this before, and the only thing they had was you could make like a little avatar pop of yourself mm-hmm. that really wasn't that expansive. I want this so bad. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. A uh, couple Star Wars stories to talk about. First, Tabitha, let's talk about a Star Wars wedding. Um. So this is at this point old news, but I still wanted to talk about it because it's really cute. So Akron, Ohio, uh, Julia and Robert Jones uh, discovered that their municipal court, wow, uh, would be officiating Star Wars themes, themed weddings on May the 4th. Um, so they played Star Wars 4, A New Hope in the background, and they had six couples. They had 15-minute wedding ceremonies at the Highland Universal Gathering Spot in Akron. Um, most of the people dressed in, like, traditional, like, you know, wedding attire, but all, some of them also came in long tunics for the theme, like Sith style, <laughs> and with their lightsabers. Um, and all of them did hold their lightsabers while they exchanged their vows, and... Uh, the judge, which was named Ron Cable, said, by the joining of the lightsabers and by the giving and the receiving of rings, he pronounced them husband and wife. And then the last thing was, I wish you all of the happiness and may the force be with you. This is just really cute. It gives me gives me hope. Gives a me new, a hope. new hope. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, so thumbs up. Matt. Uh, that's fantastic. That would have been the only other option outside of a bookstore. So, thumbs up. Lydia. This is really cute, guys. And I don't even Star Wars that much. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, this is this is so adorable. Thumbs up. Um, Matt, let's talk about Star Wars Outlaws. Uh, so, there has been rumored for a Star Wars open world video game for a long time. Uh, we're finally going to get it in Star Wars Outlaws. Uh, we're going to be introduced to a new female protagonist, Kay Vess. Um, the initial trailer that they released is all like cinematic. Um, and it's one of those, like it's cinematic trailer that basically looks like you're watching part of a star Wars movie. It's incredible. Um, a week ago, they actually released the first gameplay trailer and I did watch part of that. 
Um, and I'm impressed. Like they like this is next gen graphics. Um, it looks really cool. It looks like it's going to be kind of a mix of like a um, like an Assassin's Creed type of like sneak around and complete missions. Um, but also just like a full out, like if all, like if all else fails, you're just going to have to blast your way through. Um, there's going to be space combat. Um, at this point it's released sometime next year. Um, no hard date on that, but, um, it's set between, what did they say? Set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So we're filling out that time frame. Um, which then, of course, you know, leads to the questions of when this character will show up in film or TV. But regardless, um, like, I don't really do open world uh, games because I get distracted very easily. But uh, Star Wars would be super fun to try. So I'm going to go thumbs up for this idea. Lydia. Of all the things that I've heard of them trying to make into open world things recently, like this one makes the most sense because it already is that expansive universe. So I'm not going to play it because, again, I don't Star Wars that much, but it does sound like a cool concept. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I get distracted in open worlds very, very quickly because I'm like, <laughs> oh, look, side quest. Um, <laughs> but, yep. but it sounds cool. Thumbs up. <laughs> Yeah, um, zero chance I play this game, but it sounds pretty cool. I give it a thumbs up, Tabitha. Uh, yeah, this sounds fun for you to play so I can sit and watch you play it. So thumbs up. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> okay. uh, so the Flash director, Andy Muschietti, is staying with the, uh, the DCU to uh, direct uh, The Brave and the Bold. Uh, we don't know too much about this movie. Really, all we know about it is that it's going to introduce a new Batman to the DCU, as well as his son, Damian Wayne. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs sideways. Um, like I said earlier, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the Flash. I think that um, I, I feel like this director would do a good job. But also, I know that a lot of times when movies flop the director is to blame even if in this instance the director is not necessarily to blame so we'll see if he actually does still stay doing it tabitha thumb sideways okay matt um i had to check because i thought i recognized the name and he's also the guy that directed the redo of it Oh, I changed my thing. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that the Batman Brave and the Bold mm-hmm. is, I mean, not like Batman isn't dark anyways, but Brave and the Bold is not a bright and cheery version of Batman. It's not Adam West. No. Um, yeah, this, this, this has, this has promise. So I'm going to go thumbs up. And if it's a Joker story, maybe. Oh. If it's a Joker story, I'm firing everyone. I'm so tired of Joker stories. But it'd be Pennywise. But, but what if, what's his name? Peter Skarsgård plays... Or not Peter Skarsgård. Uh, who's the one that played... I don't know. There's 57 yeah. Skarsgårds. So. <laughs> Bill. Bill. Bill Skarsgård plays the Joker. That I could see. Lydia. <laughs> I need more information. Especially if it's anything regarding Batman now. I actually have an actual good like understanding now, but yeah, I, I need more information. 
I just hope that they do something other than Joker, because, yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot more people than Joker. Just, come on, guys. Thumb sideways. Tabitha, let's go to the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. Coming to you live from In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel Miranda news desk. Um, this is just a very like quick like buzzword piece, basically. Um, on June 8th, um, a bunch of artists gathered to celebrate the debut of Rise, which is representation, inclusion, and support for employment theater. And um, they're launching the Rise Theater Directory. Um, Rise aims to promote visibility for women, um, black, indigenous, people of color, and other underrepresented groups in the theater industry. Um, This is going to be a national personnel directory where theater professionals who work backstage and behind the scenes can register to be included, which will help them be discovered for employment. Um, Lynn has been... um, working on this for ages and they're finally getting it off the ground. I think COVID put some delays on it. Um, It will only be backstage, but it's like theatrical production, choreography, costume design, direction, lighting, management, everything. Um, They have to have at least one verifiable production credit to be listed, but that's it. Hmm. This is awesome. Um, I feel like theater over the last... I don't know, 10 years has gotten a lot better about being inclusive and not be putting, you know, white people in traditionally white roles just because they've been traditionally white roles, especially for like background people and people who are behind the scenes. This makes me happy. Thumbs up. Matt. That's fantastic. Especially for, there's a lot of people who do local theater that are verified performances Mm -hmm. that, do have those dreams of going elsewhere and this will give them a little bit of that foot in the door um and a little bit of visibility that's that's fantastic i love that thumbs up lydia yeah i don't really have much else to add this is awesome and of course lynn is one of the ones heading it so yeah thumbs up yeah nothing else to add this is amazing thumbs up I've got the last story of the night. And it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you didn't really post anything weird this time. I guess we could have ended with the uh, the TikTok author, no. but anyway. <laughs> um, so sadly, this is a little bit of old news. Um, this job listing is no longer uh, no longer taking applications. But Mountain Dew has recently launched its own brand of cocktails called Hard Mountain Dew. Um, to help with all the new workload. Very creative. <laughs> they recently posted a job on Indeed for a chief hard officer. <laughs> like I said, the posting is already closed. The job pays $10,000 for an all expenses paid trip to Florida for the CHO and a guest um and exclusive hard mountain dew swag <laughs> going to read just <laughs> a few of the highlights from the indeed posting give me just a second okay <clears throat> oh, God. the chief hard officer <laughs> is a 
We're 12, guys, but it's yes. fine. Is a ridiculously bold, brave, and badass hard Mountain Dew lover who adds significant value to our team by completing completely unnecessary and outrageous tasks in the name of hard Mountain Dew. We are looking for a highly motivated, curious, and thirsty individual oh my God. <laughs> who has an unmatched affinity for hard Mountain Dew Baja Blast, specifically pineapple, punch, and mango flavors, the three newest additions to this summer's limited edition pack. The chief hard officer will port to whomever we deem is in charge on that day <laughs> wow. and will assist with hard mountain dew baja blasts mission to provide ridiculous refreshment and a damn good time all summer long the chief hard officer <laughs> will be responsible for completing the outrageous tasks mentioned plus help a help us develop a brand new never before done before a never been done before flavor of hard mountain dew baja blast that just might be released to hard to do nation Next summer. Some responsibilities. Of course, you have to drink hard Mountain Dew. Um, cage dive with uh, sharks. Scuba dive alongside the na- ocean's most notorious creatures. Uh, tell everyone you know that you think the new hard Mountain Dew Baja Blast flavors are absolutely delicious and the best you've ever tasted. Um... <laughs> Qualifications. You must be a highly motivated, curious, and thirsty disposition. Um, a sense of humor and appreciation for the absurd. An unwavering, passionate love for hard Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Uh, proficiency in swimming. And you do have to be 21 age, uh, twenty-one years of age or older. Yeah. Yeah. Why do I feel like someone from my hometown by this job? <laughs> um... Because they couldn't get into the Throwbillies Park. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Um, and then at the very bottom, it says, if you think you have what it takes to put the hard in chief hard officer oh no, and Why? have the summer adventure of a lifetime, we encourage you to apply for this position as chief hard officer, hard Mountain Dew at chiefhardofficer.com. <laughs> Please stop saying, saying chief hard officer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I guess props to them, but they could have they could have chosen different different Mountain words. Mountain Dew is playing to its audience, and <laughs> that's fair. I, when they're talking about putting the hard in the hard, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why it's playing to its audience? Yeah. Like, I've never met a respectable human being that had a, a Mountain Dew thing, like a Mountain Dew addiction in my entire life. My mom really likes Mountain Dew. Is she addicted? Would she be the chief heart officer? Mm, no, See, there don't. you go. <laughs> <laughs> mom, if you're listening, I, I love you, but I don't want them to think about you and the word hard in the same paragraph. <laughs> Not even sentence, but paragraph. <laughs> On that note, um, yeah, thanks for thanks for you know welcoming us back. Um, 
We'll see if you come back next time. <laughs> we understand if you don't. We understand if you don't. I feel like we've said that before. Yeah. And we'll probably say it again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No shame. Wait, was that actually a shame? Yeah, it was for the chief heart officer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put that on my list. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>